It's good to desire to know Jesus more and more. Amen. We thank God for this evening. And I believe that what we are about to share tonight is very important, not just for this church, for the whole body of Christ, universally in this day and age. Amen. And how I pray that every one of us will get the meat of the message. Amen. We are talking tonight about the signs of the times, the signs of the end times. And our main scripture, our beginning scripture will be taken from, as we know, Matthew 24. And then verse 3 to 5, and then we'll continue from there. Let's read the scriptures. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and deceive many. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight and for the privilege of delving into your word. We pray, O oh God, that you reveal yourself to us. Now, Lord, our lives will live in preparation for your coming. Now, we will also be heralding your coming. We pray that, Lord, you give us clear understanding of your truth, not only to be hearers, but to be doers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This subject is very important for the child of God, as I've said. Jesus and his disciples had been observing the city of Jerusalem and all the beauty and all of the things and what he said about the temple. And when he said that the temple was going to come down, the disciples asked him this question, that what, when would this temple that you're talking about come down and what will lead to it? Now, we should also know that there were three questions that were asked. He didn't just answer the question about the temple. He also answered the question about the end of the world and then also of the coming of he himself. Amen. Now, the difficult thing about this passage is that he didn't break it down and say that from verse 5 to 10 is about the temple. And from verse 11 to this, I'm now dealing with this. He didn't answer it like a wasi religious education part 1, part 2 paper. He answered it in a certain general way. Now the impression or the understanding you get clearly is that the signs that relate to these three events are not significantly different. Hallelujah. That's the understanding I have. They are not significantly different in that it may look like the same. And that is why, when I was preparing for this message, the Lord spoke a specific word. Scoffers. Scoffers. That's why there are many people who we call scoffers. People who would laugh and question and tease and say, Oh, this thing, you said it since time immemorial. It doesn't happen. But as we understand the word of God, you understand that um, Jesus meant what he said. Amen. So the scripture does not state categorically which signs relate to the, 
the, the, the, the fall of Jerusalem, and which signs relate to the coming of the Lord, which is the rapture, so to speak, and of course, the, the end of the world. Hallelujah. But whatever it is, the important thing is to take the lesson that since the fall of Jerusalem happened in AD 70, the next events we are waiting for are the rapture and the end of the world. Amen. So at this material moment, we are not too worried about whether it was for the fall of Jerusalem's temple. Because we know that the temple is down. But at this material moment, we are looking forward to the coming of the Lord. We are also looking forward to the, 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 the end of the age. Amen. Now, over the whole passage, and if you compare this to Luke 21, Jesus brings out quite a number of signs. We may not be able to go through all, but we can classify them together. And we, as you, those of you who have been to Bible school, um, uh, school of Ministry would know, we usually classify them into six major signs. But tonight, I'm not going to focus on all the six because I'm not led by the Spirit to go through all the six. There are just two of them which are very, very important which the Holy Spirit has imprinted on my heart tonight to share with you. Amen. When you go through Matthew 24 or you go through Luke 21 and other related verses, you're going to see that Jesus spoke about what we call spiritual and religious signs. That's the first category of signs he talked about. When we talk about spiritual and religious signs, we're talking about issues about false prophecies and false signs and false miracles. We're talking about the issues about the, the preaching of the gospel across the nations. We're talking about things that talk about the, false, the difference between false teachers and false prophets, working miracles, false miracles. Then we talk about the moral and social signs. The social signs, not social signs as in the course, but the, sign, the signs, what things are happening in the atmosphere, in the society. And there's a lot loaded over there also, which we'll be talking about. And there we are talking about the way the moral lives of society over the years has degenerated. Hallelujah. And how far mankind is going to go before the coming of the Lord. Amen. Then we know traditionally we talk about the natural signs. And tonight as we know, as we're sitting here, we know for example that what has happened in America and it's going, still, still happening in America now is unprecedented. It hasn't happened that you have three major hurricanes touching the land in America Within any time, I don't know the last time it happened. Everybody's experience is different. Some are 80 years ago, some 60 years ago. Different, different experiences. Having the, the Harvey, the Ema, and the, the last one that um, they, they, they talked about is happening. Well, I've forgotten the name. But there are different, three different, um, uh, 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 um, what do you call it? Hurricanes that have co almost, co I think the other one is Joel or Jade or something like that. Three, three coming together. I mean, the other one is in the, is in the ocean. It's about to land, the third one. So, we're having this happening all over at the same time. It's a natural sign, which we don't... Um, it's not pleasant at all to experience. Then, of course, we have the political signs. That's for the political things. Every time new things are happening. EU coming together, 
all the 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 the, the Brexit and all of Brexit and all of these things that are happening are part of the political science. The issues of the, the Berlin Wall that we experienced in 1990, 90 is all part of the experience of the world uh, powers coming together and some of the strange things. Even the presidency of Obama is an indication of the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because political things which normally any, no man would have thought about are beginning to happen. Things that powers are being shaken as a sign that uh, somehow the world's powers are not as stable, are not as secure as people think. Hallelujah. Then, of course, you have the economic signs. A very interesting, somebody sent me a message yesterday morning. It was about the acceptance of the Chinese yuan now as the currency of the moment. You know, um, over the years, the last 2000, there about when the, the use of money, paper money, came into being after the, you know, before they were using gold for many years. Gold was the, the currency. Then different um, um, empires have dominated the world and used their currency. The last before the dollar was the British, which was the, do, the pound. Now, the world decided to value assets through paper, you put your gold and they give you paper. Now they are they're, 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 they're saying that the dollar has over dominated the world because most of those monies they dominate only about 40 to 50 years. But for the, the dollar has gone to almost 100 years since 19, the, the first world war, the League of Nations feared thereabout. The dollar has been the currency that is used to determine how rich. A country is or how poor. So people, that's part of the reason why Americans are controlling the most billionaires. Because if you work in America, you always have an advantage over the rest of the people. They have to change their money for yours. So the American economy has always been a strong. But now, just last few days ago, the IMF has decreed, uh, the French woman and her team, they have decreed that the Chinese one is going to be one of the competitive uh, exchangeable currencies. Now, what it means is that over the next five to ten years, the possibility that because most of the world owes China, they cannot demand payment in one. Now, when they demand payment in one, it means over time, America owes China, Russia owes China, everybody owes China, Africans owe China. And what then will happen is that they will gradually want to dictate. And that's a major symbol of economic change of power. It means that the, the east, the shift of power is moving from the west to the east. It's a very significant thing. Hallelujah. So you are seeing economic science, you are seeing political science, you are seeing um, natural and physical science. We've talked about the earthquakes and all. We have seen also scientific science, the most significant of which has been the introduction of the computer and, of course, the internet and all of these things that we're experiencing. If you ask any of us when we were writing university degree exams at that time, even the masters up to 1990, and you ask somebody, we could. I remember I went to ICL, the head office in the UK, and they were trying to communicate with somebody in America, and it was a, a it was a miracle. It was a miracle. The guy, so oh, two two people being uh, uh, in Britain, another group in the US, and they can sign a document. It was like, oh, we've never seen it happen. Today, school children are exchanging. It's not businessmen who are exchanging. It's come so close to us. 
everybody, farmers, villagers, everybody is able to communicate and write, sign one document over there and, um, in America and Africa, and it's still the same, real time. You don't need to wait to talk to somebody or sign a document on the computer, sign it together and all of that. So these signs have come in. But I believe that for us as believers, we should not be looking too remotely. You know, last Sunday, when we read the, uh, the scripture in, um, in Hebrews, there was a specific thing that the Holy Spirit was emphasizing in Hebrews chapter 12, which is the fact that we should, when we read these things, we should be careful not to make the interpretation too remote, too far, 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 that it's as if it's, far, it's not us. It's talking about some other people. So the first verse of Hebrews 12 says, Therefore we also, if you remember that, therefore we also, so sometimes when you are reading the scriptures and you are saying, that, oh, there will be signs in the air, there will be this, earthquake, you are likely to say that, oh, this thing is far, it's not near me. Hallelujah. But that what we are talking about is around us. We also, the signs of the times are things that are happening around us, we also, that we should be able to connect to. We shouldn't look at the signs of the times. When they talk about the, the, the Chinese one, it's very far. When we talk about presidents uh, in other parts of the world, the political changes, upheavals, it's very far because we haven't seen that in this country for so many years. So you as a Ghanaian may think it's far. But there are elements of the signs which are we also. Hallelujah. Which we want to talk about tonight. And I want us to focus on the spiritual signs, the religious signs and spiritual signs, as well as the moral and social signs. Now, I begin by saying that liberalism or carnality is the single, to my understanding, the single biggest threat to true Christianity. Let me say what I'm saying again. It's a spirit word. Some of these things, are not, I didn't read it, but the spirit has dropped and I say it's true. Liberalism or carnality is the single biggest threat to true Christianity. What am I talking about? We are dealing with moral signs and we are dealing with spiritual signs. This concept, this generation, is heaven, where everybody is, everybody is everybody, and nobody is nobody, and everybody can say what he like. You remember last Sunday I spoke about Christ being the standard. He said, looking unto Jesus as the standard and as the source. The same way, this generation. If the Christian faith will stand it, it's not about, maybe people are so anxious about Islam and Islam. I've realized that it's not, the problem is being not Islam. If our faith is steadfast in Christ and our testimony is good, and we know the Christ we are serving, that's why Paul didn't worry. You know, Paul's time, do you know that Buddhism existed at the time of Paul? But have you seen Buddha, Buddha mentioned in the Bible?
Did you realize that Jesus was, Buddhism was there before Jesus was born? But did you see that Jesus didn't worry about Buddhism and the threat to him? Are you getting what I'm saying? Why is it that we are so worried about the so-called Islamic, Islam, everything? Oh, that we think that all the, and Christian Islam came over six, about 600 years after Christ came. So, much as, especially if you are in America, or you are trained, you are used to reading a lot of Christian stuff, you might think that the whole Christian faith is under, the whole big threat we face is Islam. Though other religions can disturb the, our faith, our, our, the spread of our faith, I'm telling you that my understanding, the way it is now, is that it is we ourselves. Our commitment, the way our weak commitment to our faith, our liberal approach to our faith, our laissez-faire approach, our lackadaisical approach, our lukewarm attitude to the things of the spirit is the biggest threat to the expansion of our faith. Amen. So when we start talking about the end time, let's not be too much focused. Much, much as there is the element there, and I'll come to explain that. The real threat is how, see, if our defenses are weak, then can we accept all these other loose, loose definitions of morality, of our standards, and all of that? But if we are clearly defined, we are clear, and we are committed, and we are united in our understanding of who Christ is, and what he stands for, and what he expects of us, we'll be able to keep our barriers up. The real issue, that's a, a, a spirit word that came to me as I was thinking about this thing. That the real issue is not really too much about these other people. Now what are we talking about? Spiritual and religious signs. Now, there is a positive side and there is also the negative side. The positive side is what we find in Matthew 24 verse 14. Where Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom... Matthew 24, verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You know, I used to think that this was saying that everybody will hear the gospel. But that's not what the scripture Jesus said. Jesus didn't say that every Kofi Mensah, everybody, Ajua Mansa will hear. That's not what he said. He said, this gospel will be preached. In all the world, as a witness to all nations. Are you hearing it? Now, the United Nations reports about 195 countries. Officially 193, but the Holy See, the, 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 the Pope's place, and um, the Palestine, state of Palestine, due to their states. So they are represented at the UN. But out of these 195 nations, most of them are in Africa, 54 in Africa, 48 in Asia, 44 in Europe, and so on and so forth. All of these put together makes 193. At this stage, where we have satellites, I don't know of any one of the 193 that does not hear the gospel one way or the other. On all these 193, I want to believe that there are mobile phones. 
Amen. So the opportunity for the gospel to be heard in that nation, positively, I believe that scripture has been fulfilled a long time. Whether by TBN or by mobile phone or whatever, that scripture that Jesus, that prophecy that Jesus spoke about has been fulfilled. It's a very positive and very moving thing to know that, hey, this thing is real. The moment the satellite hit all the one in Oceania, all those countries, those small, small, there are some small, small islands, uh, uh, Tulavu and Guam, all those small, small, some of them, they have 10,000 people in their country. All of them, some way, somehow, whether they are, the question, whether they are submitting or not, is not the issue. But it, the scripture says, as a witness. Now, what that means also is that what they see or what they hear, God knows that by divine arrangement, that thing should provoke them. You see, Gideon did not know the Lord in the Bible, in the book of Judges. Verse 6, chapter 6. But he asked himself a question. If the, he didn't meet the God of Israel that they read about. So if that God is still alive, why are all these things happening to us? So somebody in Guam, somebody in Tulavi, somebody in some so-so Solomon Islands, somebody in Haiti or Fiji, who you are worried about, God has brought the gospel as a witness. Because maybe when he watches television and he sees America, he sees United Kingdom, he asks them, how come this place is like this and me, my island is like that? Then some missionary or some other person, ah, these people, once upon a time, some missionaries went there today were like this. But some missionary went there with the gospel and said, in him is life and the life was the light of men. So that light through Jesus came and they got to Christ and through Christ education came. See, then he said, give me that education. And through that education, they also got to know Christ. That's how it, it happened in many parts of Africa. People began to, as the, the, the Oibo came to Africa, met, they, I'm very sure they saw the ship. How do you build a ship? How do you do this? So you see that in Ghana, the first time they came, there was a school, there was a church in Elmina. And then, one by one, gradually, 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 knowledge, other groups came, and then knowledge came. Then the gospel came to us. So, God will by all means send the gospel as a witness. Give everybody the chance. They may not come and preach directly to you, but somehow, there will be something that the Holy Spirit to say, this person you are seeing is the one who holds the key to your salvation. Maybe for some of our God, great grandfathers and other people, somebody might decide to rather uh, use that person for a ritual or some other thing. That's his own conscience. But another godly person may say, okay, let's talk, let's find a way to communicate with this person. 
and eventually his tribe will receive the gospel. Say amen. So, that is the positive side of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Now, let's look at some other elements of this same prophecy, the prophecy about the, the spiritual signs and all. In Matthew 24, verse 11, Verse 11, what does it say? It says, Then many false prophets will arise or rise up and deceive many. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Compare that to 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 4. We are now dealing with the negative elements of this. First Timothy 4 says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. So at that time, the people had not departed from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. This is why we who are in the faith today ought to be very careful. See, when a prophecy comes, it's, it's real. Hallelujah. And that is why also, the Paul in one of his statements said, Yes, what no, we know man after the flesh. One of the, the, the difficulties we are having in the faith is that a lot of people... Continue to know people as they, we knew them years gone by. And you need to be very careful. From time to time, we need to revise the way we know the, the, the people and the way they relate to God. Hallelujah. So he says that in the last days, some will depart. So somebody can be in the faith today, and tomorrow he or she might depart from the faith. There are people that we started in the faith with, we were born again together, maybe the same day in secondary school or at the university or wherever, in the same neighborhood. The person traveled, or the person was just around. They met somebody from maybe uh, Mormon or some other group, and before he realized, he's gone. I remember a certain man who used to live near us at the, in the airport residential area. In fact, when we started um, action in 79, he brought his lodge back to the Archbishop Duncan Williams. Then he was called Brother Nick. He brought it to Brother Nick. And I remember seeing the bag, the, the large bag. You know, they have some secret things in it. He brought it to and they went to burn it. And the man was free. Later on, before the man died, I heard that he was the one that brought uh, this thing, what? Mormon. And he even took it to one of the Senegal or somewhere. I know he went to do some international job in Senegal. When he was coming back, he brought them. He was a top, top, he was a commissioner, top in the champions time. Top guy. And he was the only elderly person in the church when we started action in 79. Very, very noble man. Humble. I believe he was baptized and all. He, came, he surrendered. And I saw him. He was joining us, clapping, dancing, speaking in tongues, doing everything. But somewhere along the line, as he traveled, some other faith, some, I don't know how they convinced him, and he, he got contaminated. But before he died, he was not in the faith that we started in Christ. He was a latter-day saint. He was doing other, he was no, he not have any fellowship with the Christians that he knew before he left Ghana. Hallelujah. So, in the last days, 
The spirit says that the, the latter, uh, some will depart from the faith, giving it to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, let me tell you that even preachers, even preachers, pastors, prophets, sometimes people start very well. And lately, I've been very, very concerned and interested. When I'm, I'm, I'm relating, I relate, I'm a very much person involved in a lot of ministerial relationships. But I'm also very much alert. Because I've been awoken. Because I never thought I would live to say, see a day where Pentecostal pastors will be proud to say that they belong to secret society, to belong to Lord. But it's happening today. I never thought I would like to see some people that I thought were well-known, world-renowned prophets. Not wayside prophets, not these small, small boys. No, national, international. Being proud to say that, no, now I'm sworn in, I belong to secret society like this. And yet, wants to be accepted as a priest. I can't understand it. I can't get it. And for me, it's a sign. I mean, many of us, for example, read Rejoiner's books. Rejoiner is not ashamed to say that he belongs to Knights of Malta. And he said, oh, I had a friend 10, 20 years ago, he joined and he introduced me, and you cannot convince me. My Bickley, and people like that. In even our own Ghana here. Dr. Kingsley Fletcher. Somebody who has been to our Roberts University. One of the worst, best known uh, aluminos of our Roberts. Went to the same school. Start with Dr. Ablo. Ablo is still preaching fire. Salvation. Deliverance. And uh, he is happy to be sworn in as a knight of mortar. Knight of mortar is a secret. It's like Freemason. Odd fellows, Lord. Whose loyalty is to some other spirit, but certainly not the spirit of Christ. So when you see these signs, you need to be awake as a child of God. I've mentioned them specifically so that our, we will be alert Hallelujah. I should not, I'm not saying it for you to go and be talking loosely. For you and I to be, be, be alert that it can happen to you. When we were in school, people who are wanted to be spiritual, supposedly, they would go out and they would go and read Lobsan Rampa. Third eye. The third eye. And eventually their minds will go off. The, today, you have fellowship of Christians who believe in yoga. Who practice transcendental meditation and yoga. And pastors who find nothing wrong. I've met a missionary in America a very, in a very renowned Christian fellowship. He's part of a very, very respectable fellowship. And he says to me, well, every morning I do my meditation before I start. I thought it's Bible meditation. He sits and does yoga. He has a yoga mat. It's serious. So when the scripture says that in the last days, 
many will depart from the faith. The faith of believing that Jesus Christ came to die for sinners. And that all who surrender to him are saved. And once we are saved, we don't need any other. By no other name shall a man be saved. No. These people say, no, in addition to Christ, you need some other things. Deceiving spirits. We are indeed in the last days. Hallelujah. We have false teaching, false practice. Go on to the next doctrines of demons. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry and are commanding to abstain from fools which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. I remember I, have, I, have, I know somebody who went to a Bible school in this country. Forbidding, I'm talking about forbidding the foods. And in their home, their home, they host the, the gurus from India. <laughs> and she has specified, she has been to a Bible school two or three years. And graduated. I, I passed by the church when they were having the graduation. But she's, she doesn't, she doesn't, the reason why she doesn't eat meat is because she's Buddhist. She's Hindu. Sorry. She doesn't, she's vegetarian. But she has been to a Bible school. She attends a globe. She goes to a lot of Christian meetings. She is active. But she is still a Hindu. Still does the Hindu all the things. And you see, when you go to a place, you see... How many of us have heard of Sai Baba? You see Sai Baba. That Indian man who looks like an African. He's got a lot of bushy round hair. I don't know whether he still looks young like those days. When he was at university, he was young. I don't know whether he's the same face. His face has been the same for all these 30 years or so. And you see Sai Baba's picture. Then you see another guru with beard in her office. And still she has graduated from a Bible school. You see whom? That is where we are now. And that is an indication that we are actually, it's a spiritual sign that we are in the last days. And we are, it's, it's, it's difficult because nobody wants to talk about it. And most of these people, they are very good friends of many top preachers. They have, they call, I, I remember one time I went, I met this lady and she was talking to me about a, spirit, a, a certain person in, in public life, I mean, in Ghana, who is a spiritual father. And so, I went to church and even my spiritual father, he gave away cars. This prophet is my spiritual father and he gives away cars, he gives away money, he helps a lot of people. And so, she's very close to the man of God. And I'm just asking myself, so what is she hearing? Amen. In, in the same way, the falsehood, he talks about chapter 2, verse 2 to 1 to 3. We are looking at the practical things that are affecting us as the entire the, the signs that are clear to us that indeed we are close because they were not happening before. 
In the same Second uh, Peter 2, verse 1 to 3. Second Peter 2, verse 1 to 3. But there also rise false prophets among the people, even so there will be... You see, there will, so this is the season that that thing has happened. Teachers among you who will secretly bring a destructive heresy, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Hallelujah. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of the Lord truth will be the blasphemed. You see, the way they, 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 they will be carrying a lot of crowd, a lot of following. But how do you find them out? Look at verse 3. Apart from their destruction. Say, by covetousness, covetousness, a friend is there, enibre, money, sikenibre. So, if you convert, it means you long to take something, a belonging of somebody. Somebody brings a car to a man of God and says, I need to de- 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 deliver this car. Then he's using it. And the person cannot see that this deception. You see your shirt, I like you have Everything you have, I want it. But the main strength of covetousness is money. King James, please put it in the King James for me. This one doesn't bring, you put it in the King James. The King James. Yes, through covetousness, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you. This oil is from Mount Zion. This is from that. This gold chain, which has a cross, is from this place. It has this special. So instead of paying 2,000, pay 5,000. Go and buy something for 50 cities and sell it for 5,000. Make him merchandise. I, have, you, I mean, if I sign in this book because of my ink, if you read it overnight, you will make 20,000. When you sleep and you wake up, this will happen. Things like that. Make him merchandise. Hallelujah. The same Ghana water that is running through all of us, our pipes, if it comes through my house and you get it, it will turn around. And because when it comes through my house, I have paid 500 CDs for the whole month. But you pay 500 CDs for just a gallon. Making merchandise of you. Whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth. Means that it's going to come. Whether it takes long or short, it will still come. And because we have not seen the judgment, it looks very far. But for us as believers, in Matthew twenty four twelve we see something that is relevant. That's what, that's what I began with. Our own carnality and liberalism is the greatest threat to our true faith. It says, and because lawlessness, or King James says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. A time has come, and a time will come where it's like, every, many believers say, oh, this one is nothing, this one is nothing, this one is nothing. Then the desire to please God just dies. 
And it's happening. We have changed. You see, many years ago, about 20 years ago, if you ever thought that in churches like this, people will even contemplate divorce, it was unheard of. Today in America, there's a famous preacher, Bishop. The guy can preach, eh? He can preach very much. He's sought after all over. He has lived with his girlfriend for 20 years. He's a celebrity preacher. Everybody knows him. But he has lived with a partner. And people are talked and talked and talked. They attend interviews. And every time he comes up, what? He's not worried. I, and he has a mega church. When you say American mega church, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, he's every major gathering of black American preachers, you see him there. He can preach and do, I mean, things. things. Oh, if he's coming to Ghana, you need to mobilize at least $50,000 to be able to host him. Very famous, very popular. But he has been single and has a, a partner for about 20 years. Almost 20 years. And it's, not, it's no big deal. That's what, because iniquity is abounding. I'm not saying, please get me. I'm not perfect in every area. I'm just bringing, opening our eyes. That because the standards are falling, everybody does what he likes. Are you getting what I mean? Everybody does what he likes. There are things that before... 20, 30 years ago, as Christians, we would never have thought about. But today, I mean, even today, some like alcohol, you'll be surprised. It's one of the topics you don't have to mention among preachers and people, Christians. Because if you bring it, you will lose the debate. People are very, very sensitive. In the church. People are very sensitive. Because many of the people, the leaders who got born again, especially in their older age, they don't want to leave the bottle. They want to be born again, but they want to still have their weekend chilling, you know, Guinness and all the things, some percentage of wine and all of that. So when you, you are a preacher, you start talking about these things, they are very, very uncomfortable. But there are even churches that can't even have communion because of these things. Because those things are becoming contentious. So you will just feel free. Everybody, you just do, you just listen and do what you think is good. Amen. But the worst part of where we are going is the sudden avoidance of the subject of eternity, heaven and hell. That's why I wrote the book on why I believe in heaven and hell. Because many people today don't want to preach about that, talk, talk about that. That they life after. And in America today, most preachers don't believe that there's a real heaven. Did you hear me? In many parts of Europe, especially America, many people are preaching, but they don't believe that there's a real, they have the graphic 
picture of heaven and hell that we see in the Bible. They say that no, it's just a figment of it. It's just fiction. It's just a way that the old writers wrote to put some fear so that you know it's not really real. And that's why we're talking about scoffers. That's why that brings me to my main thing: scoffers. Because in the last days, a lot of people. In, to serve their conscience so that people can do what they want to do without thinking of any judgment, they would want everybody to believe, that, oh, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And there will be no judgment. That's what a lot of people are promoting. So you see preachers who are very vehement. And that has pushed us. That takes me to the second element. I was talking a bit about the spiritual science. That has pushed us to... Consider the issue of the moral science. See, our spiritual science have affected the morality. And you remember one of the statements the Holy Spirit gave me years ago, which I've said many times, your spirituality determines your morality. The spiritual things you believe determines the actions, the moral things you do. Amen. That's why certain people in certain religions, like Islam and others, believe that, okay, the God, the, 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 their leader or their founder told them that if a man has a means, he must marry more than one, if he can afford. That's their spirituality. And that affects their morality, so they marry more than one. Now, you and I, our spirituality tells us that a man becomes one flesh with a woman, when he, they marry. Hallelujah. And that a man, God hates divorce. And all of that. That's our spirituality. So that guides the way we, we, we find, we, that's why we look, we find it difficult to accept that no, this, this is not on. If we see something different, which is reflecting that a man and a woman are just one. If a person's morality, spirituality changes, it will affect his morality. Amen. That is why it's important to be very spiritual or be, be, to be spiritually discerning or think by biblical standards. If you don't think and, and assess things through the way God has written it in His Word, your value system or your moral system will change. Amen. That's why knowing God's Word is important. The surface that Peter spoke about Second Peter 3, particularly verse 3, that will come in the last days. People who look down, who think that all these things are just, the spiritual things we talk about are figments of imagination. They don't really matter. And you see, the motive is there, walking after their own life. It's because they themselves, if they say, oh, this one, if you can't beat them, join them. That's their philosophy. Their own, because their own standard, they cannot, they don't see the grace of God. They can't avail themselves of the grace of God. They are not willing the grace to help. Even if they have a problem or they have a weakness, they don't want the grace to help. So today you find out that a lot of people, including many of us preachers, have not been able to sustain or consistently maintain the biblical order. When it comes to the spiritual science and equally the moral science, moral or social science. Let me say here that why is it important as a sign of the end time? When you read Genesis 6, 
from verse 5 to 7, you understand why it's important to look at the moral and social sign. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Are you seeing it? Verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Verse 7. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and the beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the earth, for it repented me that I have made them. Then the, the next verse or two says that, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And the, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. So you can see an ascendancy in the, uh, 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 in the way crime, evil, immorality is increasing. As I'm speaking now, just last week or two, there's a story that happened in, in, in Zimbabwe of a certain young woman musician who is from South Africa. I'm told she, she goes to perform naked. She will cover herself, but like uh, one like this uh, boy, this uh, Hungarian or Yugoslav half-caste boy, you know, who is walking around naked. <laughs> I know, I know the name. I just mentioned. I just use it. <laughs> you see, you know the man too. And this girl said she's going to Zimbabwe. Mugabe said, "No, you can't come and perform like that in our country." They stopped there. It was it's unheard of that Africa. Somebody would conceptualize that. That I want to walk around, I'll cover myself loosely, but I'll be naked and be there. And people will be here. here and she's a famous musician. The way we hail people that are doing things that are bad in different ways is an indication. But for us as the church, we begin from us, the preachers. See, unfortunately, we have probably created two big divides. We have what we call the feel-good preachers. Then we have the uh, brimstone and fire. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or legalism, so to speak. And America is, people find it normal to identify with the so-called feel-good. And if you, if you, if you, like if you look, listen to somebody like Joel Austin, there's hardly any message about eternity, hell, you know, trial, tribulation, endurance, perseverance, repentance, and it's on and on. And everybody who hears him loves him. I mean, the only time they've hated him is when he's refused to give his church out to uh, heavy victims. <laughs> but otherwise, everybody loves, everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> you see? Everybody loves him. He's a cool, nice, handsome, typical, you know, hunky guy that the typical white guy would like, woman would like. Speaks so nice. Act so nice. Feel good. And people are gleefully praising that. I don't think that that's what the scripture, that's all the scripture teaches. 
They, I know where they're coming from, trying to counteract where they think that people are legalism, that thou cannot do this, don't wear this, don't eat this. That's also another extreme. Maybe uh, the contrast of the old, deeper life concept. But that is not a justification to say that, okay, then shift to that side. So you see that the church, because many members of the churches are not knowledgeable, we are struggling with these things as to what does the Bible say between legalism and feel good. And the enemy has exploited this in the last days. Especially in the West. And it's still coming here to us. Our children and our members are watching the same television, reading the same things online, seeing the same models and all of that. And I want to take time off in a few minutes to run through a book I've been reading for some time now and some pages of it to give you a picture of what is happening in the world. This is a book called The Church in an Age of Crisis by James Emery White. He, he's telling us the practical things that are happening around our times. And one of the fundamental pages that touched me is in page 33 of the book, where he begins to talk about Oprah Winfrey and her impact on the world today and her values. I'll read this for you. From verse, uh, page 33, he says, What does it mean for God to be distant? non-judgmental, and not engaged. You see, this is what the world now, many preachers, especially Western preachers, are promoting. That this, our God, is so loving, he doesn't judge. So, and preachers, if you are, you know, America, people can sue you if they come to your church and cry. That you are preaching hate speech. You made them feel bad. And since she went to that church she came to, that now you preach, and they, they, my child, I don't know what you said to the child. You make the child feel like she's a sinner, she's bad. And because of that, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll take their picture on. If, because you, you are supposed to accept, preach to them a God who is non-judgmental, who doesn't judge, who accepts all. He's transgender, or she's transgender, but he wants you to accept it. Don't talk about it, just let him be happy that God loves everybody. God loves everybody very much. Even their sin, their lifestyle, they should remain in. They should choose what they like out of what you are preaching. So when you preach to people and they come under conviction, they take you on. So this man is beginning a part where he talks about the fact that if we are looking for somebody in America who is an unofficial spiritual leader, her name is Oprah. Then he talks about her career. How she started at a radio station, poor, 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 poor. Then he says that, he says, but Oprah is more than a celebrity. She is even more than a brand or a business. She has become a shaping cultural force. Oprah can single-handedly turn a book into a bestseller. On the other hand, she has been sued for crippling an entire industry simply by publicly denouncing its product. That's how powerful she has become. And why has she become powerful? And I'm going to say that. Read it. See, she comes out as good to everybody. 
The preachers love her. The worldly people love her. The politicians love her. And that Jesus said, Woe to you if all men like you. Hallelujah. Then she actually has some people, gurus. She, if you, I remember I've taught her website once or twice to see what the people she's connected to. There's a man called Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra is into Eastern Transcendental Meditation. He's, he's an authority. He teaches companies. Makes a lot of money out of teaching companies how to do yoga and relaxations and all of those things. An intelligent guy. An Indian origin. I don't know whether he's American or whatever. But he's well, a celebrity star. Helping celebrities to do uh, relax. Doing relaxation. And Oprah has taken this guy and many others who have strange doctrine. I didn't want to go into their names. And some of them are into these witchcraft books that we know about. Now, she, according to my friend here, he says, they, one of them packages an eclectic gathering of gleanings from Hinduism, Buddhism, and watered down Christianity. Well, that's where we are heading. We are talking about the end time. A lot of the things, the feel good situation that people are confronted with, that is making morals in the church calm down a lot, is a mixture of different religions mixed with part of Christianity, which is softy stuff. That doesn't make you do anything, but everything works for you. And that is the package that or our, um, 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 or Prawinfri is selling to the world. And because she's a celebrity, the whole world is following her. Let me tell you that if you want to understand where the world is going in terms of worldliness, watch her. Not to follow her, but be, be know what is happening. Before, she was not into... She condemned all Christians and religion. Now, today, she has moved slightly middle stream. And she's even able to partner sometimes with preachers to do things. Yet, the values that she's propagating is where I'm coming to. You'll hear of them very soon. Basically, she's projecting what we call the New Age Thinking. And if you read about Adam and Eve very well, what led to the fall of man was what we call New Age thinking. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. When the devil came to, Genesis, uh, to, to Adam and Eve. He said, did God, let me know, I won't spend time reading because there's a lot more I need to share. He said, did God, not, did God tell you not to read? Don't you know that when you read it, you, you, you eat this, you will be like... What is new? New age is saying, you too, you are somebody, only you didn't know. When you do TM, translation meditation, when you, 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 you know your true self, that's what Oprah is talking about. Young lady, oh, you come, oh, your, your father, your mother, they are surprised you too much. Now be yourself. Argue small. Prove yourself. You are God. There is no external God. God is, not, God is not somewhere in the skies. No, the, 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 those religious people have deceived you. That's what she's telling people. And people are buying. So when Sunday, instead of going to church, people are listening more, reading more about Oprah. She puts a message on her site, and within minutes, 
five million books, five million books are moving. And all she says, all she says to people is that you are powerful, you are God. You can do anything and be even if all don't, nobody accepts, the church doesn't accept, the church is colloquial. Accept yourself. Believe in yourself. You are God. Create your own religion. Create your own standards. Create your own values. Yet the scripture says that be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Hallelujah. That is the end time we are experiencing. The spirit of the libertine spirit. You see, in the book of Revelation, the scripture talks about because you have refused the spirit, they, 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 they follow the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans are a libertine movement. Live and let live. Now, it was reenacted through the Beatles, Rolling Stones in the 60s. Let us be free. Live and let live. That is where the whole thing, it died for a period and resurrected in that era. And ever since that period, we are living with it. Today. Hallelujah. Today we see all those free, 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 be free, and sometimes, and many, many things that have erupted out of that. The sense, false sense of freedom among people. Now look here. In this same book, I want to read something which is very important before I move to my notes again. In chapter 8, the 70th page, the man talks about a research by the Pew Research. The Pew Research, P-E-W, they do a lot of religious trends research in America. And they said in 2006, they did a certain research among people entering university. And listen to the conclusions, the, the, the views they got. 61% of incoming freshmen embrace same-sex marriage. 78% believed abortion should be legal. And one out of every five had no religious or affiliation or were atheists or agnostics. That means that 20% of the students didn't have any affiliation. Of course, it has even worsened this time. Now he compares it to 1967. Before then, let me say this. In that same, he said, 81%, when he asked the students, this is what relates to us here in Ghana. He asked the students in UCLA, how many, what is your mission in life? And in 2006, 81% said they want to be popular. They want to be, they want to be rich, sorry. Are you getting the comparison? But before then, and then 51% said they want to be famous. In 20, 30 years before the 1967, most of them said they wanted life to be meaningful. 81% said they want 30, 40 years ago, around the 60s, the generation that was there, they didn't want to be rich. They didn't want to be famous. They wanted to help humanity. I'm trying to see, let you see why, how the world has changed. Are you seeing it? In terms of values, today, even in our church here, today, software and I were talking about the spirit of sacrifice. 
how people today don't want to be selfless. People don't want to die small. It's the spirit of the end time. <laughs> Nobody, everybody wants to make it big. Because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sign of the times. And it's not only when you take it as OUCLA, it's very difficult to understand. It's America. But here, even in Ghana here, if you like, ask the survey, these new people have got scholarship to go free SHS. Ask most of them, as you are going, what, how do you see life? Why are you going? I want to be a millionaire. They have received, Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. They are not thinking of how they will give back to Ghana. Most of them, they are thinking of how they will become rich men and women and lord it over other people. It's sad. It's telling you that the atmosphere, the spirit of the atmosphere is changed because we are in the end time. The moral values of our today are not the same. Today, certain words are driving the morality. And I want to mention those words and I'll explain each one of them. And it's all, you can find all of these words in reality in Second Timothy 3, 1 to 5. Though it's not explicit, you see it. Number one, the word truth. Today, everybody is defining truth for himself. People will tell you that truth is what is workable. Anything that he cannot touch is not true. Hallelujah. That is why people can't identify with their faith in Christ today. Today, it tells you that the time is near. Today, it is very difficult if there is no supernatural. That's why churches that are not overly emphasizing miracles and all of that, it's very difficult to even preach the gospel. Because people don't want a faith and the, 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 the preaching where they don't, want, they don't see miracles every day. They want to see every day they are seeing miracles. When they come to church and they have 10 cities, by the time they leave, they have 20 cities. When they write exam and they have F, they must turn to A. When they are not sick, when they are sick and they see today, when the pastor says, in Jesus' name, the thing must change. If he is sick and one week the pastor prays and he is not healed, he must find some solution. That is truth to them. The gospel we are preaching, the truth to them, it will be seen if it is pragmatic. If it, they can see it working immediately. It's a major threat to the faith today. That's why I said we must begin with ourselves. And if you see this, if your eyes are open to the things people are looking for, it tells you that we are in the end time. And if you are preaching, if we are pre- as we initially they accept, but as they go along, the love of many growing cold. Why is the love of many growing cold? And you see, why are people moving from migrating from church? Because I have this problem, I didn't see anybody doing this, and I want. They want to see things. They want to hear things. I had the dream. I want someone to interpret the dream in this way. I want to see things. I want to feel things. Hallelujah. Another danger is the issue of relativity. Why are parents not able to correct their children? Why are colleagues not able? Why is the pastor too uh, powerless in this end time? Because of relativity. The same scripture we are reading. But the viewpoint is different from my viewpoint. 
Is the way you see it, you, your generation is different. Parents are struggling. Mothers are struggling with their young daughters. When you're going out, so this one, don't wear this because this one, it doesn't infertile. Right? No, no, mommy. How many mothers are here? How many argue with their daughters about going out the way they are preparing them? It's because of the doctrine of relativity. The spirit of relativity in the end time. And you see it in first uh, uh, Timothy, second Timothy. It's there. They will be strong willed. They will, be, they will have their own, they want to have their own way. They are not interested in anybody's view. It's because there is a, a the, 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 like you said, in the last, something will be poured out. A certain, like a certain spirit has been poured out. And one of the spirits that have been released is the spirit of relativity, relative thinking. That is the way you look at it. Because you are African, that's as for you, God is so important to you. As for us, we don't need God in this all our lives. So when you meet an American or a British or someone, so you will go to church too much because you need you are poor. You are poor. <laughs> so when people get rich, they don't want to serve God because of relativity thinking that only poor people serve God or look for God or there are pro- people with problems go to God. Or you are looking at it this way because you are not well exposed. You say, oh, transgender. What is transgender? Transgender is because you, you, you are not enlightened. It's that's the way you look at things. What is, I mean, uh, if, after all, if a person feels that I don't want, I've been caged as a man, two man, now I want to be a woman, what is wrong? What is the big deal? It's nothing. You are thinking relatively. And you, you, as soon as you have that mind, and you, you are saying to yourself, nobody can lord it over. I have my own liberty. Then, what I spoke about earlier about opera is the spirit of humanism. Man has power to do anything. Today, you go to the moon. So, when you, especially when you are well read and you have, you have be, been exposed to science and technology and all of that, you believe in yourself. Or, or if you have become successful economically, you are rich. You don't, a lot of times, humanism. I can do it. I can do it. And that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. So, will your eyes not open? You be like God. Humanism. Pragmatism. Be pragmatic. Be real. Be real. Don't you see I'm aging? It's real. So you see a young lady, the pastor says, wait upon the Lord. Your time will come. Say, no, pastor, Charlie. Say, but did no be, no, no be wood. Nobody be wood. Pragmatism. Pragmatism tells you that nobody be wood. Hallelujah. Pragmatic. You have to be real. <laughs> that this one, you have to be real. So you have to be real. It's the spirit of pragmatism. It has to work. Okay, what you are saying is true, but this truth there doesn't work. So it's not pragmatic. There, there are some truth that is difficult to practically accept. So the spirit of pragmatism is the spirit of the end time. Hallelujah. And many of us operate. If you are not, you can easily slip from the truth into pragmatism. Being overly pragmatic, the fact that we should be wise and discerning doesn't mean that all our things, if we follow pragmatism, we can operate in faith. And the scripture says, the just shall live by faith. 
Not all the things that make sense are acceptable to God. Hallelujah. Because when you look at the command in Genesis 3, you see, it didn't make, I mean, God said, eat all the food except this one. What is it? Nah, food be food. What? Legalism. If you can argue and make your logical points, justify. Individualism. I, myself, me. I'm God. I'm, I'm, I, it's my wealth. It's my life. It's an end time spirit. God made man to be an interdependent being. Even the best depend on us. The plants depend. You see, look at the way he created. The six days of creation. He set it. Everything that came depended on the, the one that came before. Night and day, all of them, the moon, everything, they all depended on each other. The plants came, then human being came. Then he placed the man and said, look, you look after the, the, the plants and all of that. There is an interdependence. And he knew that the best, the animals, the, the plants that were there, they were going to allow man to breathe. If the plants were not there, man was going to die within a short time. So, human beings are an interdependent creation. All creation is interdependent. That's why in the church, everybody, we are all dependent on each other somewhere, somehow. But this new, uh, new age teaching is about individualism. You alone, you can make it. You can make it alone. You don't need anybody. You don't need any pastor. You don't need anybody. You don't need any brother. You don't need any sister. So sometimes, even some of the people that are single, it's the spirit of individualism. that has, Look at Power Winfrey. She has been a, a single woman for all these years and had a partner for about 20 years. Individualism. Spirit of individualism. Strong spirit of individualism. I'm my own woman. I've made myself. I can't allow. There are many young women who are independent and successful. You talk to them. I don't want men. Person be a I'm happy as I am. Individualism. I'm happy as I am. I want to call. I don't want anybody to come and be telling me wake up this time, feed breakfast and dinner and all these things. I sleep when I want to sleep. I go out when I want to go out, and I come when I want to come. I don't want this thing. It's a spirit of the end time. And it's increasing. You see, a lot of people find nothing wrong with it. You see, a, you see a, a learned professor, learned senior person, a judge, top top person in society, and you ask, what? what I mean, what, what is he doing about his other life, his social family? Oh, I, I, I or even sometimes a couple. And so we like it as we are. We, we don't want the response of children. They come and they say, no, no, no. It's the spirit of individualism because there's selfishness. Is breathing that. It's an end time spirit. Hallelujah. Lovers, you see, Paul put it this way. Men will be lovers of themselves. Even though, because you don't see that. So the person will say that, you may not see it. See, in the last days, what did he say? Men will be lovers of themselves, rather than lovers of God. But when you love God, God will tell you to love your neighbor. Which is an, uh, the right biblical standard. But men have deviated so much, we have gone back to Noah's day. We have deviated so much, we have gone back to the Adamic day before the judgment. Before we are fired from the garden. Lovers for themselves. 
See, did you not, when you tasted, was it, and the, the woman tasted it, and she said it was what? Good. And she said, she gave it to the husband also. So, people look, want to, every, the whole purpose of many people is, I want to feel good. I want to enjoy. And that is driving us, many of us, because of that, we are not willing to defend our faith. We want to have comfort. We are not willing to step out with our faith. That's where I began by saying that our biggest challenge is not Islam. Our biggest threat is not all these other religions that are coming. If we are passionate according to the biblical standard that the Lord has set, I believe that we can, among ourselves, stand for each other and stand for Christ. But because many of us, we are not fully persuaded about our faith. We are, finding, we are struggling ourselves. My prayer tonight for you, my brother, my sister, as we see it, it's obvious that we are in the end times. But all these are shared. It's not for you to just have knowledge, but to also act on it. Let's finally look at Second Timothy 4 to give us some understanding as to what we can do. Then we pray. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. You see, because of chapter 3, that the end time signs were given, it says, therefore, because we are in the end times, the first charge is that there is a charge before God. Now, if we have to make it in this end time, we need to know that we are accountable to God. Amen. That's the first thing. If a person lives on earth and thinks that he's only for himself, for his church, for his friends, for his family, and oh, it's for you, the children that I'm struggling, all the faith church I'm going, I want you to see that God is good so that he'll bless you, you've missed it. Many of us, we are doing spiritual things because we think, oh, it will help somebody. No. Paul told Timothy, I charge you because therefore, what is the therefore? If you go to chapter 3, you see he was talking about the end time things that will happen. Because the end is near and the challenges will come. Say, there has to be a charge. We need to charge ourselves and say, hey, then I'm accountable to God. Whatever I do, whoever I associate with, whatever I commit myself to, if I join a secret society, if I decide I'll change my values, if my moral standards, if my spiritual standards change, I need to know that I'm accountable to God. I won't be, it's not Pope who will determine my standards. It's not majority. Today, majority carries a vote. Sometimes, even though we know 2 plus 2 is 4, if majority decided to say that 2 plus 2 is 5, we all have to accept it. It is majority that decided that if a man decides to marry a woman, a man is okay. Majority accepted. Majority judicial decision. And people just flow along. That's what they want. Though in reality, even if you do, do a, a census in America, you see they are the minority. But they are succeeded with their money to lobby, the, make sure that liberal judges and liberal Spoke, uh, vocal people are in the media who speak for them. And they, they appear as the majority, but they are not the majority. They are insignificant group. But because we are not strong as a whole together, they are riding us all. So the first thing is that there is a charge to you and I that I am accountable to Jesus Christ, my Lord. Say Amen. That's who shall judge the quick and the dead appear in the kingdom. That's the first thing. Number two, go on to the... Preach! If we want to be able to stand against the wave in this end time, our preaching, we need to preach. And preaching doesn't mean that we all have to hold microphone. 
You can hold microphone, you can stand in the street, you can do door to door, you can be in the taxi, in the Uber. Now we don't talk taxi, we talk Uber. We are in the Uber age. Amen. <laughs> wherever you find yourself, whether it's Uber or taxi or Trotsky, wherever you find yourself, preach in season and out of season. Hallelujah. And the preaching must be convincing, rebuking, all manner of preaching. Not just say for spiritual laws. Any way that you can preach the gospel, says convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. That means there must be passion in whatever we are sharing. Amen. Amen. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but heed themselves the preachers with itching ears, blah, 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 blah. So, we have to look at this element of our commitment because there is some contrary wind coming again beyond what we have seen. More are coming. But one last thing I want to leave with us all. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, after the apostle listed the challenges of the end time, he also mentioned this thing. He says, but you, you see, there are many false, he's talking about Himanios and other false people. But, you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. And then verse 11, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at and I endured, and out of them all, all the Lord delivered me. Now the last point I want to leave with you, my beloved, as we prepare for the coming of the Lord, is that associate with the right people. Too many people are too loose. Some of us, we go on Facebook. Anybody, I don't know how people can befriend people strangers. All the people that are deceived on Facebook, there are people they don't know. You be in America. Your pension of $50,000, $100,000. A small boy in Africa. Just send you pictures, 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 pictures. Then you ship all the money into his account. Then you go to lawyers and beg lawyers to come and chase you. Whatever happened to you? I can't understand. If you have the right association, You'll be telling your friends. You'll tell your, fr- your husband. You'll tell your wife. You'll tell your friend. The sister, somebody has written to you. I mean, I don't re- face all this. There are many, every day, new people want to be my friend. I don't respond. There are good people around you can't be friends. You don't be friends. In church, you don't see them. You don't want to greet them. <laughs> then strangers. In, because even on internet, Facebook, a man can be a woman. A 16-year-old can be a 17-year-old. And many of us, we are taken in by all this and they introduce us to strange things. Tonight, make a decision. Cut off any strangers you don't know. Don't, don't look at them because they are celebrities. Some of the celebrities, they are passing on wrong spirit to you. Amen? They are passing on wrong values to you. Dangerous ones. Dangerous doctrine. I'll tell you this story. One of my friends... Many years ago, some of us know him. He was a very good guy. Solid Christian. Tongue speaking. One day, he, made, he had a friend in secondary school. And this girl, I don't know, I think the guy, he liked the girl so much. And the girl, even though he was a Christian, he liked an unbeliever girl. And because he liked the girl so much, anything the girl gave him, he read it. And the girl gave him a book by Lofsan Rampa. And he read it, and ever since he has not been the same, his mind went off. He lost his faith. And today, he's, he, was, he should have been one of the best lawyers in Ghana today. Because his father was a very good lawyer, top person. 
very brilliant. And the day before he left for America, that's when he had that problem. So be careful who you associate with. Let us pray. you reflect for a moment blessed be Jesus Lord would you pour upon the hearts of us all here tonight the descending spirit the spirit of wisdom the spirit of light and the spirit of understanding that we may be able to see we are confident that with the Holy Spirit we will not fall but we can ask you Lord to fill us with thy spirit of grace that the eyes of understanding be enlightened in the knowledge of your will. Thank you for opening these things to us. Lord, we see even in the church these that have been mentioned. They are in operation, but we resist them in the name of Jesus. I pray that stubbornness will come upon the hearts of men. I pray that the fear of the Lord will come upon us tonight. Haven't heard your word. Eh? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name. Amen.